Cheers, y'all. Welcome, my friends, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, to this uh, broadcast of the internationally known radio program, Smoking and Toasting. We are glad to have you here for show number 154. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, and we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Our buddy uh, Jeremiah Butler from B&B was our uh, guest on the show last week, and boy, did we have a good time. Boy, that was a blast. That was me? a fun show. It's Anytime you get together with Jeremiah, uh, two things, you know, number one, you're going to have fun, and number two is you're going to have drinks. That's yeah. that's just that's going to happen. And and it did, and we're uh, very excited about it. We, If you have not heard last week's show, it's a it's, it's a rarity. It's something to go check well, out. Well, we, we so. did go off on a few tangents there. Yes, we did. And and they were, I thought they were fun tangents. So. I have to tell you, 154 shows. Yes. We've had a lot of beer. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I, I think I'm getting good at this beer drinking I thing. I think of all the <laughs> beer that I had before the show even started. And then you add all of that, and it's, right. like, uh, it's, it's like pretty good. So so we're excited this week uh, because we've got special guests in the studio, and uh, they are uh, Ben Williams and uh, Wendell Robbins. Gentlemen, uh, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you very much. So Thank we're going to be us. we're going to be talking on the show about your uh, about your vodka, which we'll just get right to it. Is is made from partially, not completely, but mm-hmm. is made partially from hemp. So we'll talk about why and what that does that's special, and then we'll taste it because I have not tasted the the hemp vodka. So yeah, I'm, I'm very totally curious. I'm, I'm very very psyched. <laughs> so I gotta say the packaging. We'll it. talk about it later and yeah. show it a little closer. But the packaging on this the packaging looks, great, looks by the way. yeah, it, it, it looks you, absolutely great. So Appreciate guys, welcome it. to the show. It's uh, it's it's nice to have you here. Um, we let's see what's going on. Oh. Um, there's there's great tasting on the show today. In addition to the uh, the vodka from uh, the Highway Vodka, great taste or less filling? Well, I I have a feeling it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be pretty it's gonna filling. veer into the great taste area more than the less <laughs> filling. But uh, uh, from the brewery in Placentia, California, we'll be tasting their Wit the Funk. Uh, it's a uh, tart wheat beer. And it is uh, one of those sort of like uh, uh, special creations from those guys. So I'm really excited the about that. The brewery makes so many good beers. And the brewery is spelled B-R-U-E-R-Y in case you're trying to find them on the web. Yeah, so. and that's literally the name of it, the brewery. Yeah. And I don't think they make anything other than bombers, right? I've uh, never seen anything uh, uh, from 16-ounce cans and bombers, I think. Yeah, yeah, have you yeah. seen a 16-ounce can? Uh, that's okay. what this uh, wit beer is in. Get out of here. Fact. Yes, Awesome. Yes. This will be the first time for me to see that. Now. I'll be showing it to you shortly. Uh, from Noble Ale Works in Anaheim, California. We've had beers from Noble. In fact, it, it's a it's a the vodka is from Texas, but the beers are all California today. I thought we'd just do a little California dreaming here as right, we get little, to the end of the summer. Yeah. Texacali, kind yeah, of thing that's right. Going on. Uh, from Noble Ale Works in Anaheim, their Nobility Imperial IPA. So it'll be interesting to. We haven't had an Imperial IPA on the show in a while, so we've had a lot of a lot of the juicy ones, a lot of the you know we had New a England. double not too had a double not too, not too, too long ago, right, right. but and then I know you're going to be excited. We tasted last year's version of this, and I think it was one of the highlights of that 
you know, six-month stretch of shows uh, from Stone Brewing in uh, Escondido, California. Uh, their 2019 Farking Wheaton Woot Stout is out. Yes. And this is the one that they do with, uh, uh, w- in collaboration with another brewery and with Will Wheaton, of all people. Yes, who that's was where in the Wheaton comes Stand from. By Me and, and Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> and, and, like, I don't Now he just hangs out. Like, like, he was such a geeky little kid Wasn't he when he was, was a, on Star Trek. He was and a now he's like. On- now he's like L.A. like cool dude. What TV show is he? He like he was a sometimes character on a TV show. Well, other than the Star Trek's the one I know. What no, else? Was no, no, there was another one where he would always show up on there, and and I can't remember. I'll I'll, I'll think about it. See, I've had to learn to like him because as a Star Trek fan, I was just completely aghast that they would allow a kid, any kid. To sit at the controls of anything on the bridge of the Enterprise. Are you kidding me? It's a multi gazillion dollar starship. Life and death hangs in the balance, and you got some fourteen year old at the uh, at the uh, navigation console. Are you kidding me? Right, right. Who does that? Yeah. Oh, it was on Big Bang Theory. He always used oh, to show okay, up. Okay. See, well, maybe that's when he became. They had like, some kind of like rivalry, sort or something. of like nerd cool in in the L.A. scene because maybe he is it. totally nerd cool now. But uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I've learned to like him. So, uh, so we're excited about that and we're excited of course about the vodka and uh, this is this turned out good because I wasn't actually sure that the guys were coming today uh, but then when we got here to do the show they were here which makes you the anti yellow rose because they're the people that confirm and then don't show up so uh, so you guys are you guys are like on the other end of the spectrum and we like that much better so uh, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> you will also notice that we spare no expense when it comes to sound effects on, right. on the program. So, so anyway, we're thrilled that you're here, that and uh, Thank you. and this should be a lot of fun. Plus, oh my God, the 20 best trends in craft beer right, right now. now. Yes, everything has to be right now. Yeah, Did you notice that? That, that is now, now on the internet. If you, if you need more clicks, you add right now. To your headline, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, what, water whatever good for it you? is, right now, right, exactly. <laughs> like everything uh, is that. Uh, AB InBev is connecting with the NFL to market craft beer, not. But so last year the big, if, and, and I'm a big NFL fan, and I watch a lot of games. And last year it was all dilly dilly. It was all like insulting. Yeah, the it was all like, world. as a matter of fact, if you drink craft beer, uh, you get thrown into the pit. You of You get thrown into the dungeon, and yeah, and, exactly, and made uh, fun of, and made fun of, and all of that. Right, it's kind of a bully this campaign. Year, this year they're uh, they're working actually to launch to, to do craft beers that are co-branded with teams that are available in the stadiums and in the markets that teams. Oh, so I exist see the, the uh, Carbach Crawford Bach is gonna. I, be all over the place, right? Well, of course, that's baseball, but yes, yes, that's a that's a thing. So they're doing it with NFL uh, this year. So it's going to be it's going to be very interesting uh, to see. Uh, plus, depending on I don't know what we're going to get time for, but there's a new whiskey out from Pabst. You know about this, right? We discussed. I this heard last about year. this. So Pabst Blue Ribbon has their new whiskey. Um, it's aged. It it hasn't won any ribbons yet. What are they going to call it? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it's kind of a different thing because it's it's you know they they talk about it being blue ribbon and about being uh-huh. you know, fine quality, and it is an aged whiskey. Do you know how long it's aged? <laughs> Five seconds. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so we'll tell you the story behind that and why. Five seconds. Yeah, why it's aged for five seconds. So, uh, uh, so but we we got a lot to uh, a lot to go over this week, including great tasting and including uh, vodka that is made at least partially from hemp. And so I'm excited to hear that story. And uh, and interesting to me that the hemp based vodka 
basically came out of Houston, Texas, which is where we're located. Because had you asked me, I'd have said, "Oh, definitely Colorado. That's where it would have originated." <laughs> you would, yeah, you would think right. right. But uh, but no, it uh, it's uh, originated out of Houston, Texas. So we're excited about awesome. that. Um, there's been so much going on. I know we had Labor Day weekend behind us. I'm going to assume. That at some point, Ian, over the uh, long weekend, uh, you had a chance to smoke something interesting. Am I oh, right? I actually smoked quite a few cigars over the weekend. But the one I reviewed, I smoked this morning, and I did my over uh-huh. to uh, Casa de Monte Cristo uh-huh. uh, like uh-huh. I normally do. Very nice. Uh, and I went through, and I just, uh, you know, I didn't see anything on the, um, on the, you know, brand new. It's it's out right now rack that I had to had to have. So mm-hmm. I just kind of wandered through the humidor and found a. Uh, uh, I have to figure out how to say this again. It's a. Uh, Poshanya broadleaf Maduro. Now, Poshanya, I, Poshanya is is pronounced exactly nothing like it's spelled. <laughs> Good. <laughs> all right, just so you know, it's, just to make it easy. Yeah, like you get the first syllable, and then after that, it's all over. It's a Polish word, uh, so it's P O W S T A N I E. So it looks like Paustani, mm-hmm. but it's Poshanya. Yeah, we say Paustani. Paustani here in Texas. <laughs> this is Paustani. Um, so this is a, a Polish word that uh, um, means uh, Polish resistance, basically. Ah. And the label on here has a symbol for the Polish resistance for uh, uh, World War II. It's actually kind of a neat thing, and it's, it's what attracted me to it. I'd seen the symbol before, and then when mm-hmm. I looked it up, I was like, okay, I see, that's pretty cool. So I had the Broadleaf Maduro. This was a Perfecto Number 1, which is a beautiful, not a very big cigar. Uh, I don't know the actual uh, size of it, but I'm going to guess it's about a 52 by uh, five and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and a Perfecto is tapered at both ends. Um, Beautiful, beautiful cigar. Uh, uh, very uh, medium to dark brown, mostly uh, uh, on the finish. Very oily kind of thing. Very mm-hmm. firm overall cigar. Um, uh, the label was in in uh, red. It looked great. There's, there should be a picture of it there. Uh, the pre-light sniff on this was rich, rich earth, nutty, with some coffee uh, flavors going on. I used a clip because obviously it's hard to punch a tapered end. Um, so. The draw on it was very tight. It was actually a little disconcerting at first. Um, but the flavors that I got through the pre-light draw were real creamy spice, cappuccino, and a little bit of earth kind of flavors coming through. Uh, the initial light, the draw was still tight. I lit it up. The draw was tight. I was fighting with that a little bit. It had a real tangy spice with a wine-like dryness to the finish right off the bat. Like, normally you get a big pepper bomb or mm-hmm, something like that. Mm-hmm. This was right off the bat with this really kind of sweet creamy i mean it just had a lot of things going on uh green peppercorns uh and not and i'm not saying that to be like esoteric and weird like you know uh but it really kind of hit the outside of the palate right there towards the end of the flavor Mm -hmm. and and stuck there a little bit um it had some nutty toasty flavors with some coffee undertones going on uh right at the beginning the first third of this uh mild coffee Bitter mocha, like in a great way, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever had uh, something with a little bit bitter mocha to it and a little sweetness. Uh, it had a little bit of sweetness, toast, nutty, uh, pleasant dry aftertaste. The wine kind of thing went away a little bit, but it had a really great aftertaste on this. Uh, the draw opened up a little bit. The ash, absolutely solid. The burn, absolutely perfect. The second third of this cigar settled into a medium strength. 
Uh, very mocha at this point in time. Coffee and nutty flavors, some toast, and uh, and more of a woody oak to the finish. Um, really kind of uh, brought those flavors in. Solid ash, perfect burn, and the draw it fixed itself. It was great at this point. So you wound up being happy with the draw. It was Absolutely, just that, yeah. It was just in the yeah, first. It just it was in the was... first third. It started to open up and finally got to where it okay. was, was a nice draw. And it was a little tight. It wasn't so tight that it was that it was unsmokable it was just tight enough at the very beginning to be had annoying to work a little and extra, then yeah. and then that as long uh, as it opened up yeah it opened up yeah. and didn't have any problems uh, and you can kind of expect that sometimes from a perfecto because the front end of it's tapered as well right. so sometimes when that opens up you get more area to draw through and that'll do it well, uh, and, it and just the, took a little bit longer on this cigar than than i would be and the to. the rollers will tell you that that shape is the most difficult Right, to roll right. and, and to get the draw right and stuff. So. Well, you know, and you can't expect like anything, like if you have something with a closed foot or a small foot like that, uh, that it's it's a little harder to draw through at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if that was the exact thing, but after, after you know, about halfway through the first third of this cigar, um, it it really ha- I had no problems with the draw after that. That's awesome. The, um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So uh, Woody Oak to the finish, solid ash. Perfect burn, man. The pictures are beautiful on this cigar. Yeah. It just it turned out looking Looks so gorgeous, good. Yeah. Um, the last third of this, still solid medium. Uh, the retro hail had a sweet, fruity tanginess to it that was just outstanding. Like, that was so fun. It's This was a great mm-hmm. cigar to retro hail. Um, it had a really oaky flavor that ramped up to it. The green peppercorn flavor kind of returned on the uh, last end of this. So the cigar didn't build up, but it, some of the initial light flavors came back that... Uh, okay that uh just showed up again like they were mm-hmm. gone in the middle of the cigar and showed up so it was nice because you get an experience through right. the length of this cigar at this I point like that yeah. right uh let's see coffee and mocha nutty sweetness was going on that wine aftertaste came back absolutely loved that this was a fun cigar it did a lot of things solid ash perfect burn this was about a nine and a half dollar cigar mm-hmm. um which if you look at the size of it you kind of expect it to be a pretty good cigar. I give it a solid five. Okay. Okay. Um, I give it a solid five because I did have a little bit of that tightness draw. I might have given it a five and a half. Um, but uh, I had a little of that tightness in the draw at the very beginning. And also, it's not a very big cigar for almost $10. That's, you know, mm-hmm. I want. But I will tell you this there's a couple things I really liked about this cigar, which was the aftertaste. I had it with a cup of coffee, it was fantastic. Uh, that wine-like aftertaste, that oakiness, all those flavors were just so fun. Um, also, I would highly, highly recommend this to anyone who goes for mild cigars most of the time but wants to ramp up and try something more medium mm-hmm. but is is smooth and doesn't really have any harshness. Right. Because even though this has that pepper flavor, it's that green peppercorn flavor that kind of sits towards the back of the tongue, not in the mm-hmm. back of the throat, and uh, and really, really was a pleasant experience. So, I love it. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I'd love to try a whiskey sniff with the cigar. I might have to buy Ooh, another one. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, solid five on our price to quality. And uh, for our guests here, our price to quality scale goes one to ten. If you uh, score a five on the price to quality scale, you get exactly what you paid for. Mm. If you score so five above, is a great rating. Yes, that's yeah. a great rating. If you score above five, that means that you're punching above your weight class so to speak and your uh and your cigar and if you get lower than that that means mm, wish i didn't pay so much for this you know mm-hmm. and if you get real low you're like i wish i didn't pay for this at all but you get the idea right. <laughs> <laughs> how about you what did you smoke this i week? Uh, had one that had been sitting in my humidor for a little while and i was uh so uh, i'll quick story my wife and i were 
intending to visit my buddy Dave, who's mm-hmm. been a guest on the show right, before. Right. Uh, he and his wife are now uh, located in Sarasota, Florida. So turns out that wasn't the greatest That's, place to be flying to over fly the Labor Day right weekend. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we sent them our uh, best regards and said we'd visit them uh, at a later time. So now we were stuck with, well, what do we do? So um, we, my wife, you know, went on the internet and you know, she, she's so good at like rescuing, salvaging the situations, right? Yep. So she goes on the internet and she's like. I found a hotel room at one of the casinos in Lake Charles. Well, I've never stayed in in Lake Charles. It's about a two-hour drive from where we live. I was like, let's do it. Why not? Let's do it. So she found a hotel room at the Isle of Capri Casino. Mm -hmm. So we drive to Lake Charles, and I'm all excited. Oh, this is good. You know, you can smoke in the casinos, and uh, I'll be able to have a cigar, and blah, blah, blah. So we get to the Isle of Capri, and there's there's a word that I want (laughs) to use to describe uh, any plan that you might have to visit the Isle of Capri Hotel, don't. (laughs) Just don't. It is a dump. And believe me, I've stayed in some dumps. I mean, I will stay at like a Motel Six or a or a Red Roof Inn or what. You know, you go in, you you're paying what you're paying. You have, you know, not super high expectations, and as long as it's clean and everything's like taken care, clean sheets, check, running water, check. Just don't. <laughs> not so much at Alex. Don't. Casino oh hotel. no, don't. So uh, and not having any real Lake Charles experience, except I think I'd stopped on the way to New Orleans once, and you know. Played at one of the other, the LaBerge Casino for an hour or something. So anyway, every, every place is all sold out. Uh, but we wound up going over to the Golden Nugget for dinner. Had a great dinner. Had so, had a fun time uh, playing over there. And then I just thought, this is so much nicer. I hadn't been in there. So I went up to the uh, the desk and I said, I know you guys are sold out tonight. But any chance, maybe tomorrow, you'd have a room. The guy says, we're sold out. He goes, but if I were you, I would call. So apparently, uh, like, there's a certain time where they, like, release it if people have uh, canceled or whatever. So I call in the next morning, and they go, well, we have a room, but it's full price. I said, I'll take it. And, uh, <laughs> and so paid, paid full price, you know, because they have all those promotional things. Right, right. Uh, so anyway, long story short, had a much better time there and was sitting around the pool at the um, Golden Nugget uh, having a, uh, a really enjoyable uh, pale ale from Sierra Nevada. Uh, Can't go wrong wh- with that. While I broke out the My Father La Promesa Petit Robusto. Ah. So I'm already in this kind of semi-luxury, like we've escaped the crappy room, right? <laughs> <laughs> we've escaped the crappy room. I'm lounging by the pool. I'm in the shade. I'm dr- Oh, it was just, actually it was evening, so it wouldn't have mattered being in the shade. But anyway, long story short, I take the cigar out. It's beautiful. It's almost completely covered by bands and ribbon, which you'll see in the, the first uh, photo here, because it's it's smaller, so that it's, there's almost no, you can't even see the tobacco just about. Uh, but I managed to peel those off. It's an Ecuadorian Habana wrapper. It's Nicaraguan binder and filler, so right away I'm thinking, okay, pepper. Uh, I, uh, I do the pre-light. There's, in fact, pepper on the pre-light with leather and earth. And then once I used a punch and lit it up, I got pepper uh that's you know familiar for the Mm -hmm. first blast of nicaraguan cigars but it settled down pretty quickly and developed this really nice creaminess that helped kind of offset the pepper didn't ever really go away Mm -hmm. but offset kind of by that creaminess it was really nice as the uh as the cigar uh smoked and developed um there were notes of the leather that i detected earlier uh some nuttiness a little bit of toast and i'm I struggle for the right way to describe this. Maybe this will make sense to you. A sort of tobacco sweetness, mm-hmm. a very pleasant 
tobacco uh, sweetness. Uh, anyway, all of that balanced out the pepper really nicely. It was medium bodied, not too strong, very flavorful. <clears throat> Construction was good, although it did burn a little unevenly. Got a small runner on one side during the last third, which you'll see uh, in the photos here. But a quick touch up with the lighter took care of that, and it gave me really no no problem smoking the cigar. Uh, this, my father, was one of those cigars. We've talked about this on the show before. That ahead of the legislation, they released like a very limited quantity right, right. of these, so it almost has a placeholder. Was if they released it before then, they didn't have to go through the approval process right. once the uh, once the legislation kicked in. Uh, but now this cigar is uh, like in wide release, so you can find this mm-hmm. now. Uh, it is uh, you can find it pretty much anywhere that carries my father's cigars. It's a nine to ten dollar cigar to me. That's kind of a lot for a small robusto, mm-hmm. uh, but not inconsistent with the pricing on other my father's cigars. So price to quality, I'm going to give it, to use your words from earlier, a solid five. I, I enjoyed it very much, but I will say at this size, I wouldn't have wanted to pay more right, than right. $10. If that had been a $12 cigar, I'd have been kind of like, wow, it's really good, but that's a lot. Yeah. So uh, so at 9 to 10 yeah, uh, definitely worth it. Solid five. And as I think we've said before, you almost can't go wrong with the my oh, father, my father's cigars, cigars. Are, are just absolute, absolute consistent. consistent, and even on one like this that developed that little, you know, that little. I guess you call it a runner. It's when a, mm-hmm. a longer piece doesn't burn, as mm-hmm. opposed to the opposite of that, which is canoeing. Right, right. right. So it's a longer piece. Of, but anyway, it's just a quick touch up, and it goes. So even when you run into something like that. It doesn't wind up making you go, eh, that wasn't very good. I mean, it's still a yeah, great experience. I want to point through. out that we talk about like touching up a cigar and how well it burns. I, I love when a cigar, like my cigar uh, this morning burned perfect, like head to toe burned perfect. So I was super happy about that. But on occasion, if you get a little touch up here and there that doesn't interfere with the way you smoke a cigar, I don't really count that too much against yeah. it. I will admit, I touch up most cigars that I smoke, at least a little, just to try to keep them, if they're showing that they're burning just maybe a little faster on one side of the, I'll just give it a quick little, you know, with the right. with the flame, just to, you know, just to kind of keep it going evenly. I assume you have that uh, because you're in a windy situation at most times. Well, that's true. That There's probably always, makes a big difference. Almost always a breeze on my balcony. I would I'm say smoking. on mine, I probably, on my cigars when I'm out smoking, I don't have a windy patio. As a matter of fact, I have to turn a fan on. Because I'm in my backyard, <laughs> you need circulation, all the way around, yeah, and I need a little bit of air yeah, moving, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And so I don't run into it as much, but probably 30 percent of the cigars I smoke are going to need just a touch, uh, just a touch up here and there, yeah, uh, 30 to 35 percent. So, well, uh, I'm excited about today's show, and thank you. That uh, I, I definitely want to try that cigar. I was looking at the photos when you were talking. I was like, mm, that just looks delicious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, uh, we have, we have again, some really exciting things to get into. We're going to ask our guests to taste uh, beer with us, and we will get into talking about and tasting some uh, some Highway Vodka. And I'm really excited about this. It's a it's a gorgeous-looking bottle. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll so we'll begin talking vodka a little bit in our next segment. We don't do a lot of vodka shows here, so I'm really excited mm-hmm. uh, to be able to talk vodka a little bit with somebody who actually I think we've only done what they're doing. Uh, we've done... Uh, uh, Maybe like see. two. We did Deep Eddie, and yeah. We did, uh, uh, I think we had. I, I don't know if we had. We well, had, I think we've had one more, but I I, I'm not more. bringing it up right. It's now. 154 shows. I don't remember what I smoked. Or <laughs> I'm, I'm completely, uh, completely oblivious to it. So anyway, uh, so we'll get back to that. Plus, as promised, um, the, the uh, I want to tell you about this thing with the NFL. It's fairly interesting. So uh, we'll get to that when we come back. It's smoking and toasting, and we are glad you are here. 154. 
back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting, and it's show number 154. Uh, we are the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave and in the shops at Clear Fork in uh, Fort Worth and uh, Bacon, Bacon, Bacon. Have you guys ever been to B&B Butchers? Yes. yes. Like, have you had? Have you bacon? ever had yes. the bacon appetizer? Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god. god. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, yeah it, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that yeah. it's complete, it completely impossible to describe it to someone. I know. You just have to go. You just have to try. You just take my word for it. Cheese. Oh, that's that's my favorite. Yeah, and then if you go across the street to BB Lemon, they have a variation on it on their menu, which is they don't have like all the different bacon's, but they have this bacon with Parmesan. Oh my God! Yeah, it's yeah like, you can have a highway cocktail at BB Lemons while you're there. Okay, too. okay. So this <laughs> nice. is good. So nice we have <laughs> we have uh, guests in the studio today: um, uh, Ben Williams and Wendell Robbins, who are with Highway uh, Vodka. Uh, guys, um, you are relatively new. When did when did your product first come out? I guess that's a two-parter, right? Yeah, right. well, we've been doing it for about seven years. Okay. And it actually came to market in March. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it took us three and a half years to get the permits, <laughs> number wow. one. Wow, so, wow, I believe it, but yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. And um, But yeah, since March. So one of the things we talk about with you know uh, the craft whiskeys is that it takes a while to come to market because you generally will not release the whiskey right after you distill it. It has mm-hmm. to age a little bit. Vodka, not so much. Right. Uh, but with you guys, it was really just the getting together of all of the legal stuff and all the stuff that had to be done to actually make this launch, right? Yeah, because of the, you know, because of the hemp involved in the process oh, and stuff that like that. Oh, but that threw up all kinds of red flags. Right, yeah. multiple rounds of testing and approvals and this and that. So just a lot of a lot of paperwork. So where did and the, waiting. where did the idea come from? Because the vodka can be distilled from a number of different sources, right. unlike some spirits which have you come from one place and one sugar cane only for rum, <clears throat> uh, for example. But uh, but what gave you the idea to involve hemp in the process, and what else is included, uh, if anything, that you're distilling? Well, we started distilling just playing around years ago, you know, um, and then a buddy of ours had a dispensary in California and was talking about how they were playing around with, uh, you know, infusing, you mm-hmm. know, marijuana and stuff like that. So. We started thinking about like uh, you know hemp as an alternative because of um, some of the cool things that happen with that plant. So once we got into it, um, we found that uh, it, it just changed everything from what we were doing. And again, we were just having fun, like you know whatever. But we started. We owned a couple of bars and restaurants and stuff. So you know, tasting some people on it, seeing what they thought, and. Uh, Kind of just took its own life, and we just start figuring out like uh, how to do this, you know. Isn't it so weird that the? Uh, are you opening the beer? Oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I figure while that. we're talking, I'll, yes, I'll pour let's it do it. Sure. But thank you for providing the sound effect. Um, it, it, isn't it? Does it strike you as weird that the cannabis plant has been so demonized when it seems to be maybe the like most miracle-oriented plant that that's ever been grown? Like like this the. the 
from the medicinal properties to the strength of you know uh, hemp as a you know uh, as a um, rope, a rope and, 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 and a clothing mm-hmm. uh, source it's clothing, like yeah. it just seems like Fiber. it's the miracle plant and yet and so of course let's make sure we demonize that you know right. uh, and of course that's that's beginning to calm down a little bit as we as we go but um, but in, I don't I just I'm amazed at the properties and I I know that I haven't really studied it I only know the the half of it but like my wife takes the like different CBD oil things for pain relief mm-hmm. and they work really really well and it's like man this is there anything this plant can't do I guess Have you have you never seen the movie Reefer Madness that's oh, all true Oh yes uh, th- that was that was that was what formed my early uh, opinions <laughs> about uh, uh, about the marijuana plant but uh, um, it's it's just so interesting to me, though, to see now that it's that it's winding up being infused into all kinds of things. I mean, you're seeing it infused into beer. You're seeing it infused to different things. But it wasn't until I heard about your um, uh, your product that I first heard about it being infused in or used in the production of vodka. And and correct my language. It's not an infusion, no, right? No, it's 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 not. it's not that at all. It's it's, it's part of grain to glass process. process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I also want to mention that how I found out about this was my wife and I went to brunch at Lucille's, which is a great mm-hmm. restaurant mm-hmm. here in the Houston area. It's the first time I'd been there, but uh, my wife had been there for brunch before. She's like, i got to take you to this place. It's awesome. And she was right. It is. Uh, but when we were there having brunch, one of the waiters had a shirt on, uh, a T-shirt on that was uh, the highway uh, vodka, um, and it said uh, hemp. Uh, what would what would the T-shirt say? Would it say hemp uh, hemp vodka based with, vodka? Yeah, yeah, hemp based vodka. Oh. Texas first hemp. Based Texas vodka. first hemp based mm-hmm. vodka. Okay, and she's like, "Wow, I never heard of that." So I'm I'm like, "Wow!" So uh, immediately we went to work trying to find out more about it. Contacted these gentlemen and found out you actually have some connection to that restaurant, don't you? Yeah, my brother and I founded that restaurant about. Eight years ago. I'd say that's a connection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a pretty good connection. Wow. Yeah. First of all, it's amazing. Dude, your your menu is unbelievable. Thank you. The yeah. food is is terrific, and, and they had a great little jazz band playing there uh, for brunch. It was awesome. Oh, just awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but this, it's terrific. So from the restaurant to the vodka, um, you've, been, you've been messing around in this space for a little while, haven't you? <laughs> for a little while, for a little while, and... Um, you know, once uh, we started getting some legs on this end of everything, I had to separate, you know, from the, uh, restaurant, from the restaurant business. Sure, yeah. yeah, and we sold our bar that we had, and uh, and decided to do this full time because this is just a lot more fun, and uh, and it's just it's just more fun. Period. So you actually came out; the product actually came out in March of this Correct. year. Correct. Yes. And and so how how has the response been uh, from retail places so far? Are they are they cautious because it's hemp based, or does that increase the interest? I think that increases the interest. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Since the federal government passed the hemp or hemp legalization, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's been a lot of interest in anything hemp based. Right. And being the first vodka in Texas, we've really we were in that lane and didn't realize we were in that lane until mm-hmm. it was oh heck look what we're doing. Well, uh, so I'm really looking forward to asking you guys some more questions and doing some tasting. But if I don't start uh, on, on this beer tasting, Ian's not going to have any left to talk about. I'm sure <laughs> so Ian has mentioned that we are big fans of the brewery. We like what they're all about. Um, they have, and you saw the 16 ounce candy, and so that's uh, 
That uh, is, yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen the brewery in a can. Yeah, well, I always see it in a bomber. And welcome to the brewery uh, in a can. Uh, this is their wit beer, and it is eight point eight. And uh, what can you tell us about it from the can there? Well, on a can, it says, um, we make wit the funk with the tradition in mind, brewed with orange peel, coriander, fermented with yeast, bretonomyces, and our Tarot house mixed culture, aged in oak fodders until uh, final maturation. The result is a complex beer that's tart, funky, oaky, crusty, super drinkable. Sure, it takes longer, but WTF, it's worth it. Well, you, you want to? I just, I just want to mention when we're opening with barrel aging and bretonomyces and eight point eight. This is going to be an interesting show. <laughs> but when that's the first beer, because we got. We're going to be singing by the end of this We show. got an Imperial IPA and we got Woot Stout uh, coming. So it's like, that's, and why vodka. This, that's why this is first. And vodka, yeah. So uh, so what are your thoughts? It is funky. That's it is for sure. funky. Uh, I like. Quite. I like, first off, the brewery. I mean, like like you said, there's, there's almost nothing from them. I, I've had some stuff that I like more, but it's always high quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, high quality beer. Stuff. Uh, um, stuff from them that I've liked more or less than other stuff from them. This right here is um, outstanding. This is so crisp mm-hmm. and refreshing, yet tart and funky at the same time, which is a very strange balance to me because usually tart and funky has a little bit heavier feel, but this right. has just such a light effervescence. Almost like a champagne or a, or yeah. a sparkling it has a, wine. Yeah, it has a lot it. of CO2 in it uh, as well, but it seems to work with what's going on. They, they tell you to serve it pretty cold. They say serve it at uh, 45 degrees. It's probably not too far off from what you have here. It, the flavors, it's interesting because after the initial taste of it, you get that tart and you get that... Uh, uh, that, that kind of little bit of funkiness, but after you you go through the uh, the initial tasting of this, it has such an interesting that orange Finish, peel yeah. mm-hmm. and all those things. Coriander, that, maybe. Yeah, the spices start kind of uh, flowing through, and you, I don't really get coriander on the flavor, but on the retrohale, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. take a sip and then breathe gently out of your nose, you can get some of those spicier flavors. This isn't my favorite style of beer. I'm not a huge wheat beer fan. I enjoy it occasionally. But this is so interesting, it is. and this is this is what makes me really happy about the whole, you know, Goose Island Brettanomyces, and then it, that mm-hmm. is spreading to everywhere. That that uh, the fact that a beer like this actually gets made, I think, is awesome. See, you know, because this is definitely a not for everybody. This would be dangerous kind of if you had four or five of these sitting down. I probably wouldn't even have looked at the uh, ABV. There's mm-hmm. no booziness to this at all. Mm-hmm. This tastes crisp and refreshing. In the way that a lot of you know beers like that a are summer saison, right? Yeah, exactly. And I would yeah. probably drink it like one to you know to much different <laughs> results. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something though really wonderful about taking this one slow and and doing the sipping thing with it as opposed to you know kind of throwing it back like something crushable um, because that that finish that you get and that retrohale is is definitely worth experiencing. Don't you yeah. think? I yeah. I mean, I actually have to slow myself down on this one because I mm-hmm. could just toss this whole thing back and, and go with it. And we, yeah. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I mean, it's so yeah. easy to drink. <laughs> Congratulations to the brewery. You guys did a <laughs> right. great yeah. job. Yeah, as, great job on this. As they almost, uh, uh, you know, I, again, we haven't had anything from them. And we've had some of their sours. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. They've been amazing. And this has got, 
maybe not sour, but a little tartness to it. It's it mm-hmm. definitely has definitely has a little bit of that appeal. And the funk, mm. the funk on that aftertaste yes. and through the retro hail is I'm so good. Digging the funk, I'm digging the funk. <laughs> so this would be maybe one of the better examples of the funk in a lighter style of yes. beer that I've yes. ever tasted. Yeah. Yes. Because usually, like you said, that's something it, you associate yeah, it with something has a, little a little bit of a heavier, heavier a feel to it when you yep. when you add a lot of the funkiness into mm-hmm. the beer. Yeah, agree totally. Uh, okay, so uh, last year, uh, the uh, parent company for Budweiser, AB InBev, spent most of the football season uh, running ads making fun of people who like craft beer, even though they just spent most of that or, year. Or anything that's not, you know, for yeah, the many. For the many, right. Even though earlier that year, they'd spent millions and billions of dollars buying craft breweries and adding them to their portfolio. You know, forget all that advice people have told you to be yourself. Yeah. Listen to ABM Bev. <laughs> yeah. Dilly dilly. Be the many. Be the many. Yeah. Well, this year they're Cheap. this year they're going uh, back to the craft consumer and trying to woo them in uh, via the NFL by doing um, br- co-branded craft beers with teams, and just well, a reminder that nothing two faced about that. Yeah, no, nothing at all. <laughs> uh, just a reminder that on this show, we will still refer to a beer as craft, even if it is owned by one of the bigger companies. It's simply not independent. But if it's made with, you know, if it's made in a craft kind of way, if it was a craft brewery before it was acquired by the big boys, we'll still we'll still think of it as uh, craft. So Golden Road Brewing, one of the breweries that AB InBev bought, uh, has teamed up with the Los Angeles Rams, and they've uh, released Whose House, as in Whose House Is This, Blonde Ale. So that's going to be available. That just makes uh, me think of Run DMC. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like when you say who's house, exactly. Run's house. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it is a Blondale 4.8, and, and it will be available in 15-pack uh, 12-ounce cans and 25-ounce cans at retail uh, in Southern California and Hawaii, plus at the Memorial Coliseum where the Rams play. Um, if you are a fan of the Seattle Seahawks, uh, you will be able to get some Elysian beer at the game. Now, Elysian is uh, really a, a very, very good uh, brewery from the Northeast. That Your was Stardust IPA. Uh, uh, and, yeah, uh, it was just a uh, Space Dust. Uh, space, space Dust. That's right. Space IPA. Dust IPA. Yeah, ter- terrific. And they've got a lot of other great beers. And you'll be able to get uh, their new beer called The Noise. Uh, at CenturyLink Field in Seattle. That is a reference to Seattle is one of those stadiums where apparently it's like one of the noisiest stadiums to play in, and they refer to the crowd as the 13th man and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's a drinkable pale ale uh, with hints of citrus, candied orange, and vanilla. Uh, It is 5.1, and that's available in the Seattle area and uh, throughout the um, the great Northwest, uh, Devil's Backbone, a very well-respected uh, a, brewery from the other side of the company, yeah. uh, have tuned up with the Washington Redskins uh, to launch ATTR, which stands for Ale to the Redskins. Uh, it's a gold ale, and also they've released an ATTR Burgundy ale. Hail to the Redskins is the Redskins fight song, and so they've uh, you know attached it that way. Uh, 5.6 and 6.2 respectively, and that's available in the D.C. area and at uh, Redskins games. Uh, in Denver, uh, Breckenridge Brewery, uh, another one purchased by AB InBev, uh, is teaming up with the Denver Broncos. They have launched United in Orange. It's a pale ale, brewed with orange juice and orange peel. Uh, it was 
introduced actually in 2016 and in 2017 it became available in four packs now that's expanded to 15 packs with the broncos logo on the can and uh, you can also get it at the stadium mile high stadium and in stores in colorado and in arizona redbird lager is with uh, the arizona cardinals and four peaks brewery they wanted to celebrate the most diehard cardinals fan the red sea by giving them a new locally brewed beer they can enjoy while cheering on arizona's home team it's an amber lager it's at 4.5 percent and so these are you know it's not every market i'm actually a little this, curious they didn't this do sounds like a great strategy the for them to recoup and make some money to come up with their next um bully campaign right to bully campaign against uh right against, so, against so, so people year, that yeah. just bought all the microbrews so it'll be interesting they, to see if dilly dilly goes completely away this year i haven't seen a dilly dilly commercial in a number of months but then again i don't watch a lot of commercial television it has a tendency for me to be when the nfl season comes right, around right. or baseball goes into the playoffs or something like that that i begin to see uh, commercials by watching regularly so television. you know yes. it's funny because they've kind of painted themselves into a corner so obviously they're getting flack because of the dilly dilly thing the bully mm-hmm. campaign against drinking anything that's not for the many even if that flack is only from but us they they're getting own <laughs> a bunch of craft breweries yeah, just so, brought it, just but they bought also have one. to sell that right how do they balance that that I is i don't think they care i mean that's, i really don't i, I think they just, they just look care. at it as two complete entities yeah. or mm-hmm. maybe they don't really care that much about the craft beer you know maybe they maybe they think that the or craft maybe they're beer losing consumer five percent at each uh, uh football game due to people who want real beer and so they're putting theirs in there instead. Maybe I mean, that they, seems pretty feasible. Maybe they figure the craft beer consumer wasn't going to buy Bud Light anyway. So it won't hurt to uh, insult them and that maybe most people aren't doing the math and figuring out that Bud Light is own, is basically the beer from the same company that owns Elysian and owns Carbock and owns uh, um, you know a Goose Island and, and so many of the other yeah. really great breweries that they bought. So I don't know. It's, I, there's, there's a... There's a a bad taste of bigotry in my mouth on that one. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, and you know when you have a bad taste in your mouth, the beer doesn't taste as good. Yeah, it's it's difficult for me because there's so many great beers that they bought mm-hmm. that I would love to sometimes buy, except for I just don't want to put my money in that pocket. I understand. You know, and even though I may really enjoy, uh, you know, uh, some of the beers from, you know, the, that AB InBev now owns. I usually choose elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's going to be interesting to watch how this develops. So, uh, so I'll keep you posted. I'll be watching football this year. I'll I'll, I'll keep you posted on what uh, what's happening. So, okay, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back. It's vodka time, my friends. I have never uh, tasted uh, hemp based vodka before, so I'm really excited about doing this. And although I've had a lot of different vodkas, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this you know from a fla- flavor profile standpoint. Uh, how this uh, how this stacks up, but uh, Highway Vodka is Texas first hemp based vodka. Yes, correct. And the taste test is next. You're uh, checking go. out smoking and toasting. All right. Especially with, like, when you look at the color and the, yeah, you know, like it. Yeah. You just, uh, Welcome back, my friends. This is Smoking and Toasting. We are 
Glad to have you on board with us for show number 154. We are brought to you by uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, BB Italia on Memorial in Houston, and BB Lemon on Washington Ave. And as uh, Jeremiah hinted next week, uh, they are relaunching uh, the whole BB team is relaunching Cafe Annie in uh, in Houston. Oh. And uh, they're using the original chef from Cafe Annie. So it'll have still have uh, the items on the menu from the original one, but they're relaunching it. It's going to be fantastic and in the same location and uh, just, just going to be a great idea. And they've done something that um, if you were ever at Cafe Annie in its uh, previous incarnation, that someone should have thought to do long ago. They put a restroom on the upper level. Ah. Yeah, it's always a good idea to have one, uh, you know, closer by. So, uh, so we're looking forward to the, uh, to being able to check that out, and we're uh, looking forward to this week's uh, tasting of uh, Highway Vodka, which we're going to get to in one quick second. I do want to tell you about this though. <clears throat> to me, this is so interesting. Uh, Paps Blue Ribbon Beer PBR. It's a staple for anyone who's ever been to college. You know, um, uh, PBR is is one of those things. So they've been expanding as a company. They launched a hard coffee. They launched a hard seltzer. And now they have launched their first whiskey since the 1840s. Now, I didn't know this, but apparently Paps had a whiskey back in the 1840s. This is the first one (coughs) since then. And they launched it. It's available, as promised, earlier in the year. Um, it is uh, distilled in Michigan by, interestingly enough, New Holland Brewing, which we are familiar okay, with yeah. them from their beer work. So the label notes that Paps Blue Ribbon's 80 proof whiskey has been, <coughs> it says this on the label, aged five seconds. Aged for five aged seconds. Aged five seconds. Which now, now, for those of you out there, I want you to understand <laughs> what aging is. Aging is from the time that they take it out of the still mm-hmm. and put it in a barrel and before they put it in a bottle. Correct. Um, sometimes they don't. I guess in this case they're skipping the barrel. But it's it's the time between the still and the bottle. Most whiskey is aged for at least three years yes. before it hits the bottle, right? Yes. Uh, sometimes a lot more, depending on uh, what it is. Well, right. so they might in just this be case, pouring it across, uh-huh. pushing <laughs> something through, uh, so, passing through wood. And, and listen, anybody that knows anything about whiskey, even as little as I know about it, <clears throat> Can tell you that upwards from like like sixty percent or more of the flavor of the whiskey comes from that barrel. Yes, it, the aging process is what it in, it's called. Bar- it's white lightning. It's, it's moonshine. It's, it's what moonshine, it, it yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. So, despite attempts to speed up the process of aging, uh, the time really remains the major ingredient in aging this whiskey. So, if you log on to the Pabst Blue Ribbon website, you'll be greeted with a boast that says, "We're one hundred and seventy-four years old." So it seems in contrast to their five-second aging uh, thing. But, hey, uh, the reason that they do the five-second aging is because Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau Bureau standards say that any new-make whiskey has to hit the inside of a barrel to be called whiskey. If they did not put it in the barrel for one, two, three, four, five seconds, they would have to call it moonshine. (laughs) And who's going to buy moonshine? They couldn't legally call it whiskey. So it's basically unaged, but uh, they say it's not moonshine. It's crafted whiskey. What are they flavoring it with? (coughs) Because if you're not flavoring it, here's the deal. Like like what you said, I'm I'm curious, because if they're not flavoring it with the barrel, Mm -hmm. they have to add something to make it more whiskey-like, because otherwise it is just moonshine. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
which no one wants to buy that. Maybe they're just purchasing it and blending it from somewhere, like uh, MGP or something. I don't That's know. Not, it's it's scary. Mean, maybe me a there's a possibility. I'll tell but you, then, me a little bit. But then, wouldn't they have to have the age of whatever they put in there as well oh, on the label, right? There? I mean, yeah. there's, there's, I don't know. I'm curious about this. I don't know if I'm Five curious seconds. enough to try it, but I'm curious about but, it. But, oh, I, we have to try it. I want to get in the bottle. We'll I want to point it. out the top of this uh, uh, <laughs> vodka bottle here on mm-hmm. the camera because. That just looks. I bet your vodka's aged so for longer awesome. than Pap's whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, so this is uh, this is Highway Vodka. It's Texas' first hemp-based vodka, distilled uh, in Houston, Texas. Where you guys? Where is your distillery? It's off of Beltway Eight in Cullen. Okay. okay. South. So, going towards Pearland. Going towards Pearland. Okay. Yep. A lot happening in that area. Nice, nice sound effect there. <laughs> so this is uh, this is hemp-based vodka. So. Vodka can be distilled from what? Be distilled from, let's say, potatoes, from corn, from uh, wheat, um, and also apparently from hemp. Uh, well, yeah. So we use uh, corn and hemp. Mm-hmm. Let's see, everybody got one. Um, pass that over to Adam. And we're good. Right. Yeah, there you it's go. got a very and sweet smell to it. Yeah. <clears throat> so you use corn and hemp. Corn, hemp, and water, and go from there. Um, and basically. It's just the difference between like you know homemade and 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 your mom's house and lubies. I mean, because this is a real <laughs> grain to glass you know experience, and uh, right. we just we do this the same way we've always done it. We just scaled our equipment up, but it's the same. It's a pot. It's a still. I love this on the nose. It. Uh, I I immediately want to make a martini with this. <laughs> yes, I you bet know? it martinis well. Yeah, it yeah. Does. It's it's got a sweetness to mm-hmm. it that and a smoothness to it. That you don't get in a lot of vodka. That's true. Like this this rolls off the tongue in a way, and and there's not a lot of heat. Like there's not even a lot this of heat make, that comes back. Like there's a little warmth that comes make, back. This would make great martinis. I just yeah. took the first sip. Wow, um, wow. That's so it's super smooth. Tell me, uh, educate us about the filtering and distillation process because we see this advertised with. Vodkas a lot that they're distilled this many times or filtered this many times. I may not be getting the, even getting the language right. What does that involve, and does does it does it make the vodka smoother? Does it take more of the flavor out? What happens? So, well, <laughs> so basically, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, we yeah. should have told you there'd be a little math. Right, right, right. Yeah. So basically. Um, Okay, so we we start with everything with just the same old way we've always done it. You know, mm-hmm. hemp, corn, and water in a mm-hmm. big pot. Right. Cook it, hold it, uh, throw everything in the fermenter. About a week and a half, you'll start to see the oil start to form. And what we found, like when we started playing with the hemp, was it increased our yields that we would be getting on the outside of the uh, when we made our runs. I told so, you it's the miracle plant. Yeah, because it acts <laughs> as a super fuel for the yeast. I and see. It makes okay. the yeast work harder, last longer. Blah blah blah. But what we found was also we throw everything we distill on the grain, so we throw everything in the in the still out of the fermenter, and uh, that oil sits on top of the uh, the mat, the wash in the uh, still, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of acts as like another layer of filtration, knocking off stuff as it starts to boil up and go through our, you know, reflux column still. And we've experimented with everything from four to twelve times, and settled on six because what six does is it keeps the uh, 
it keeps the flavor of the mm-hmm. grains because we we you know they say everything's supposed to be odorless and tasteless but it has an odor and it has a taste sure so why does it have to be smell like gas and taste like fire you know like it, it, we can let the grains that are present kind of Right. You know, live a little bit so, and yeah, breathe. Sure. Well, vodka and its purity is considered kind of a neutral spirit. Right. And mm-hmm. that's why you see on a lot of, and I'm using air quotes here, higher-end vodkas, you know, distilled 17 times or whatever right. for ultra purity. Well, that that equals basically alcohol without flavor except for alcohol, right? So, right, right. And that's what you're talking about. Right, mm-hmm. right. Because every time you distill it, you're taking out... And again, big air quotes, impurities. Mm-hmm. These impurities are, are also called flavor. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's flavor. Exactly. Right, so. right. Well, I've been to, um, there's a, I, I, I may not get the name of it right because it's been a number of years. There's, I believe, a restaurant in um, Las Vegas I went to uh, called Red Square. And at Red Square, one of the things that you can order is a flight of vodkas. And it comes to you in this big block of ice that's a frozen brick <laughs> that has nice. like six little or eight little um holes in it and in each hole is a test tube Mm -hmm. and depending on what you choose for your flight each of those has different vodka so i've sat there with friends okay admittedly it was vegas and we were drinking but i'm telling you every one of those vodkas tasted different like it was not there was there was a different uh flavor to each one of them even just in that close but i think that's the dirty secret with no additives right i think that's the dirty secret of vodka advertising Mm -hmm. like because they always you know, like like I said, with the higher end vodkas, it always says, you know, hey, it's it's this much distilled, this much purity. But you right. have to have something in there to give it flavor, or you right. don't have yeah. anything. Well, but if you find... don't distill it enough times, it's going to be a little rough. And right? then you put right. it in a plastic bottle. Right. <laughs> well, there, there, Sorry, I found, <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say to pee back on that one. Yeah, I found some of our old samples that we had done before we finally got to this last iteration that we've mm-hmm. ended up with, and uh, yeah, some of those were kind of rough. Uh, <laughs> I, I can imagine you go through a lot of that trying right. to find the right you yeah. know, balance. Oh, tons of them. But what happens is with vodka, there's a lot of dirty secrets, unfortunately. That was kind of disappointing, you know, when you get into it. But uh, it's the regional water that is cut with it is often the only differentiating factor because a lot of yeah. them come from the same place, unfortunately. So, ah, and with what, what we do is like... Uh, unfortunately and fortunately unfortunately for us because of the work and fortunately for us because of the product because uh, there is no hemp based GNS you know bulk spirit that you can buy from MGP or whoever you know mm-hmm. so we kind mm-hmm. of forced into making it making it yourself yeah, yeah. so it's a true grain of glass and that's what gives us the fun to really let it have the body and let the viscosity difference you know let it have more viscosity to it than uh other products, you know, and be really unique and homemade, you know. I'm really so surprised at how little heat I get from this whatsoever. So that, everybody always wanted to taste it neat for some strange reason. Like when mm-hmm. bring it out, you know, to the, well, when I would bring it out wherever and uh, <laughs> and let people, uh, you know, t- sample it and stuff. Everybody wanted to try it neat and room temperature, which I always thought was odd. So then we would just go back and try to figure out a way to, you know, gear it towards, like, so it didn't curl people's faces. Because, you know, some room temperature vodka can be pretty rough Mm -hmm. standardly. But we kept working with it until we came up with something that, uh, you know, like you just had it. Like, you know, this is straight out the carbon riding around all day and uh, warm room temperature, no ice, no nothing. just And smooth. And smooth. Well, so here's here's one of the issues, one of the reasons. um, No matter what I'm drinking, spirit-wise, I'll always try it neat. Mm-hmm. Um, because cold 
masks a lot of flavors. True. I mean, you make something cold. So you want to get the full flavor at room temperature. Right. And then, and you, then maybe you put it in I might be wrong, although I don't know that there's any documented um, occasions that that's actually happened. <laughs> but I might be wrong um, in the fact that, um, that uh, if you try it warm and it's not harsh and it's good warm or neat, it's probably going to be good no matter what you do with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I just kind of, that's kind of an ingredient thing. That being said, not a lot of people taste, you know, Hershey's unsweetened chocolate before they make cupcakes. So I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. maybe there's something right. to the other side right, of that. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, again, and listen, one time I thought I was wrong, <laughs> but I was mistaken. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, to me, it goes two ways. Like, there are. There are spirits that I think are just okay, neat, that are really, really good in cocktails. Mm -hmm. There are spirits that are terrific neat that uh, honestly seem like maybe they're overkill in the cocktails. Uh, Even though I'm not saying they're bad in cocktails, it just seems like maybe you almost don't need that much of a punch. If you're making sangria, they recommend you use a really cheap red wine. Mm-hmm. You know, you want something that isn't as you know dry or or uh, or nuanced uh, almost for uh, to combine with the fruits and the flavors and all of that with sangria. So, uh, so I don't know. I, I'm sure that there's a you know there's a uh, a sort of a level place in the middle somewhere where it makes sense uh, for spirits to be. But this this I think is very easy to drink. Yes, which which you. not all vodka is, by the way. Exactly. Uh, and and including some vodka that I this makes I really like this makes two that I know of now. Yeah. That well, you can drink just like this. Well so when I make a vodka martini, uh, and my wife and I really like dirty martinis, so the recipe it's really complex, you guys. It's vodka <laughs> and a little tiny bit of olive juice. Mm-hmm. And it's really cold. That's the recipe. You shake it, and it's really cold, and you pour it out, and you mm-hmm. put an olive in it. So you need a vodka that can, you know, that can stand up because it's basically straight vodka with a little bit of, of, mm-hmm. of flavor. And man, uh, this I think would make excellent, mm-hmm. excellent dirty martinis, and pretty good. Uh, I think it make excellent martinis with lemon twist as well because it's got that sort of brightness to it mm-hmm. uh, that I think would I think would go uh, very well. With uh, with the vodka martini. That's actually how we got our uh, distribution deal. Was we did a blind taste test uh, with a couple of other brands, um, mm-hmm. big popular brands, and we won unanimously. And they signed us up. Oh come on, call them out. And <laughs> <laughs> I've been instructed not to poke the bear. <laughs> Love that. Uh, love it. See, by the uh, by, the time we get to the Stone uh, Woot Stout, yeah, maybe we revisit. You, I'll, ask, I'll ask you that question again, and we'll see how we do. Uh, no, th- honestly, this is really delicious, and and it's not. So I will say this: when I've had uh, the beers that are hemp infused, mm. and I've tried several of them, there's definitely a hemp. Flavor. Yeah, no, I, I'm no. not getting any of that. No. That's because vodka. they're infu- infused, so it's they the were already a between, beer, right? And then they just added the difference yeah. between infusion and using it as part of the distillation process. Exactly, because this doesn't smell or taste any of that sort of cannabis <clears throat> flavor. You know what no. I'm talking about? No, uh, this this no. does not taste anything like a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> <laughs> <It doesn't>. No, 
doesn't have the funk. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's and, no and, skunk to this. And I'm just going to say, I no. don't think you would want a funky vodka. No. no. That doesn't seem like something. No. It, it worked great with that wit beer, but no, I would <laughs> think not so much with the... Uh, with vodka. All right. Well, that uh, that's very impressive and very delicious. Um, when we come back, we're going to taste some more beer. I want to ask you a little bit about the process then of of going to market with something. Uh, here oh. you have a product. You know it's a good product. Mm. You've had people taste it. They're giving you the thumbs up. You know you've got a winner. I want to talk a little bit about what do you do then? Because you know you've got you've got uniqueness because you're the first hemp based vodka in the state. So. That's uh, that's got to be an interesting process. We'll ask yep. you about that coming up, and uh, we're about to uh, taste some uh, Imperial IPA, my friends, from Noble Brewing in uh, uh, in California. So we will be right back. This smoking and toasting. Awesome. Great. Yeah, that's really delicious. Thank you. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. It's show number one hundred and fifty-four. Um, Ian, we're uh, just—I'm amazed as the number of, of shows climbs because, like, it's—it's it's almost as if no one has stepped in to stop us. <laughs> no one will stop. Yeah, us. no one will we're, stop us. At we this are point, unstoppable. We're, at this point, we're unstoppable. Uh, all right. So uh, we're brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. BB Italia on Memorial in Houston, and BB Lemon on Washington Ave. Our special guests today, uh, Ben Williams and uh, Wendell Robbins, who are both with uh, Highway Vodka, Texas' first hemp-based vodka. We've tasted it. We've talked about it, and we're going to talk some more about vodka. I wanted to ask you guys, once you know you've got a product that's good and people are telling you it's good and you've done enough you know, taste tests and stuff, you know that it's well received. Now you face what to me is probably the harder challenge even than you know, coming up with the good product which is how do you get it out there so that people will hear about it, care about it, and that stores and chains and places, bars, wherever uh, you're trying to get it into will say, yes, we mm -hmm. will carry Because shelf space is limited and valuable, and uh, there's a zillion products out there. Mm -hmm. So how, how did you guys do it, and what did you learn anything interesting in that process? I'll let him take this one. Because <laughs> he's been given the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... It's kind of a funny story, um, you know, working on it for so many years and, uh, you know, you talking to people, talking to people and being in the restaurant business, you know, you got a lot mm -hmm. of friends that own restaurants and stuff like sure. that. And so you're, you're seeing distributors come in with their stuff, whatever, and you're just kind of taking notes and visiting distilleries all around the country and just, you know, just seeing how people do it. Had a meeting with someone who um, I thought was going to be able to take us, you know, to one of the big distributors and make mm -hmm. it happen. And uh, came back and he basically gave me one of the most, the worst meetings ever, like his total mm -hmm. dream crushing, <laughs> like it's over, it's not happening, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, wow. And um, so I remember I told Wendell about it and I called another friend of mine and he uh I was just telling him about like you know that well that was that was horrible you that know was what so I mean? crushing yeah, yeah like, right. like so much for all this time and then so he got on the phone and called a friend of his uh to ask the name of another distributor 
because um, I thought I had it in the bag, to be honest, like mm-hmm. the, with the connect that I had. And then, like, I was always telling him, like, oh, don't worry, I got it. It's cool. And it was not cool. And then um, so he called his, his friend and that friend turned out to be um, Tom Montague over at Silver Eagle. And he was like, hey, let us, you know, take a try at it. And uh, he's like, no, it's not uh, spirits, it's beer. I mean, uh, it's not beer; it's spirits. And he's like, "No, we're about to start doing spirits." And so, right, and that's something they just did this last year. Yep. Right? And so we—that was the meeting. That was the blind taste test, and uh, boom, we were there first spirit, you know, ever to wow, be that's picked so up. Cool. First one. Yeah, and so that's the lane that we. And they certainly have the relationships because they of got their em. beer portfolio. They got them. Yeah. yeah. And so we're like their their little baby, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in the spirits side of things, and it's it's great. I mean that's the lane that we kind of want to stay in is with the um the beer houses you know because they mm-hmm. uh you get to get you bit you get to be like a specialty in their in right. their portfolio and get a little bit more attention and plus like i said they have all the accounts in any given territory i mean they have them all so you know that's that's the lane that we kind of like in distribution you you guys one of the things that i would think is helpful is that you have a you have a great story because you are different. If you were if you had distilled the same vodka, oh, but yeah, it didn't man. have the hemp as as part of it, right. but it had if it was just as delicious, mm-hmm. but you were now going into that time when you're trying to get shelf space at bars mm-hmm. and in stores, like I, I feel like it would be much harder yeah, because much the challenge. story yeah. wouldn't be as unique. Mm-hmm. At right. least you know when when I'm putting this on the menu that I have this, I can put. It's right. Texas first hemp based vodka. That's a that's a thing. You know, uh, it's very yeah. true. And and um, so now we're fortunate enough to be in like, like in Texas. I mean, in Houston alone, um, just around close to two hundred uh, off premise and close to a hundred and change on premise uh, locations. You know, and specs, total wine, all that stuff. So awesome. That's great. Do you guys have a uh, NRG? Because I kept hearing talking about football. Nice. We're, we're there. Nice. Minute made. We're there. <laughs> nice. Uh, Lots of the cool venues. Do you guys have a, 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 a distillery tour or a hospitality room? Well, so or bar. We recently purchased uh, seven acres, and it has a uh, the capability, and we're oh, okay. doing so construction on it. Right, it's in the works. We hope to have it open by April twentieth. No particular reason. We just we just picked that date out of the off the calendar. Of course, yeah. of course you did. It must be National Vodka Day. <laughs> <laughs> so we're working towards that goal. Um, that's awesome, though. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's pretty awesome. That's yeah, and it's so new because you said March. Oh, that's beautiful. when you came out. That's, that's amazing. Great. Yeah, we have uh, uh, we've become a, a society, I think, that is really into supporting the local breweries and distilleries and stuff. But uh, it really helps if we can go, we can be hands-on, we can take a look at what it's like, and we can, you know, kind of sit and have some of your product. It's it's something people are really it's into. It's a little you more get, of the dehomogenization yes, of the national it's palate. It's all about yeah. local. We're seeing this in such a huge way with beer right now. Mm-hmm. Huge way. Mm-hmm. You're having uh, little uh, little shops that would, or little little breweries that would probably not stand a chance if right. they were just up against the forces of... 
you know, the beer yeah. industry. But they're being supported by people in the community who are coming out and going, I love coming here and playing horseshoes and, and you know, tasting your different beers and I can mm-hmm. bring my dog and I can bring my kids and whatever the, you know, whatever the people really, really like being able to support local. It's mm-hmm. becoming, it started with honey and now it's beer and vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. I actually, on uh, on Saturday this week, I went and, and to three different breweries. Nice. They were all pretty close to each other went to um was uh, the third one the best it was brash <laughs> <laughs> so yeah brash is good yeah was, brash is good outstanding even if it, they were the first one they're good they yeah. were they were the third one we, yeah, uh, yeah i'm trying to remember we went to walking stick brewery and then right across the street was a heights like greater heights i think i can't remember yeah, the name yeah. of it it was literally almost right across the street and then we went to Brash after that. But, I mean, it's such a fun thing to just go try so many different things. Yeah. And, and it feels good because you're supporting the community. You're mm-hmm. supporting your local people who are out there making this really amazing stuff. So uh, what I'm trying to say is I think you'll find the community comes out and says, yes. hey, they wrap their arms around you and go, we want to support this because yeah. this is good stuff and it's being made here. Thank that's, you. That's a really, that's a really awesome. cool thing. So, that, yeah. And you're seeing that. And see, so now whenever I go into another area of the country, I always want to find out where the, where are the locals going. That's right. That's mm-hmm. what I want to go and try and not. Hey, I have an idea. Yeah. You know, you are an idea guy. He's a genius. That's one of the things I have always loved about you. You're an idea guy, and you make things happen. I, I try to be proactive. Yeah. We are sampling Noble Ale Works uh, Nobility. It's an Imperial IPA coming in at a measly what? Nine point one. Nine point one. Yeah. So I told you it was going to be Big Beer Day today. California Day and Big Beer Day. So uh, on, on the show, this is a uh, this is a really really. Oh man, a lot on the nose, a lot yeah. happening here. It's it's got the IPA dank. I can see. It does have the IPA dank. You know what it also has though? It has a little more of the juicy sort of fruity vibe than I would have expected from an imperial. Because when I when I think imperial IPA, I think all hops. You know, you just you're expecting that just hop, uh, you know, thunder, uh, so to speak. But uh, this has got a little bit of juiciness to it, so we'll see how that how that works. Uh, and Ian, I'm going to be really curious on this because I'm not expecting you to like this as much. They don't say a whole lot on the can here. Mm-hmm. It says, be noble, recycle. Mm-hmm. There's a government warning. <laughs> not a lot going on. It's a good-looking can, though. I mm-hmm. like I like mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the, the uh, minimal shield and everything. Well, the colors are... I will say that even though it has uh, certainly has the IPA dankness going on, it's not just all resin and hops i mean don't get me wrong it's an imperial it's there uh but but it's not it's got a little bit of that juicy vibe to to you know smooth it out just a little bit that's what i'm saying i don't know what you're saying and i you you're probably gonna so, find this you know i'm not uh the uh ipas are not my favorite this one has a pine. little much pine cone on the mm-hmm back end of the flavor for it. It's got a really nice uh, malt profile right in the middle mm-hmm. of, yes, the, of the palate that I really enjoy. It's the pine cone aftertaste. Now, this may be them being a little devilish because when you take the next sip, you forget about the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. That's right. I don't know. This is just a me thing, though. That aftertaste is pleasant to a lot of people. Um, but I'm assuming after I, uh, after I uh, drank probably half of a can of this i probably wouldn't care <laughs> well it so, is an imperial it is it is a yeah. good it is, it's a good beer uh the aftertaste to me is a little off-putting but but that's me and my ipa 
Nah. Um, but I do like a lot. I like the whole front of the palette. I like yeah. just about everything except for that point. And um, and it's I will I say like the malt sweetness. This strikes on. me as one of those IPAs that if you are not an IPA fan, you're probably not going to be crazy about it. Mm-mm. If you are an IPA fan, you're probably going to love it. It's got it's got the things that IPA lovers uh, want. I think in large in large quantities. Yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, and I can see this is this is just. This is a little bit left of of my sweet spot for an IPA, mm-hmm. but I could see this being something that you would absolutely enjoy. Are you reading the Brian? Yes, I was reading the Brian. Uh, Nobility, it's the return of the king, or uh, Royal Imperial IPA summons an intense hot presence of lemongrass, mango, and papaya. Mm. Follow the royal procession from every citrusy sniff to each bitter sip. Notice the vibrant hop character shining brilliantly throughout, so regal, so royal, so... Noble. None of that was on the can, by the way. No, not so at all. You must have looked on the website for nobility. <laughs> to get that. Uh, we call him Wiki Brian for a reason. Um, the, definitely, I definitely get the um, um, the fruit flavors that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I don't pick out the lemongrass necessarily. I don't maybe get I'm lemongrass. Just, the papaya makes sense. Getting. The though. papaya I get. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a nice beer. It's not something I'd pick out my, for myself right. to drink um, because it's not a style that I really. I know I'm really not going. I know I'm not going to win you over with every IPA. <laughs> How do you like yeah. it? I like it a lot, actually. Uh, and I know I'm not going to win you over with it, with every IPA. Now that said, I don't drink a lot of imperial IPAs because generally, the IPA styles I like trend a little more towards uh, the juicy ones and the more balanced ones. And this one is definitely one of those. I like this hoppier better ones. than quite a few IPAs you've brought me. Well, for a hoppy IPA, yeah. though, I think they do a really good yeah. job of making this drinkable and balanced. Balance as, is the key there. As long that, as you consider that it's yeah. already in that category. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It's not just bitter up front and bitter on yes. the end. This has a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on in the middle. Yes, absolutely. It's sweeter than a lot of IPAs, too. That's that's a little um, strange to me, but in a good way. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take another uh, quick break, and we will come back to finally taste the uh, one that I am expecting you to like. This is how I knew I'd win you back over. Uh, <laughs> the Stone Farking Wheaton Woot Stout 2019. Man, who likes and, stouts and anything from Stone? Oh, I mean, yeah. Come on. Uh, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for a company that is known for their IPAs, to do a stout that's as good as the uh, Farking Wheaton Woot Stout usually is, is a is a pretty a pretty big deal. So this is this year's. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how it goes over. Plus the twenty best trends in craft beer, right now. Coming up right after this. We'll be right back. You guys have as much fun doing your show. <laughs> <laughs> Back to that, do something you love. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna pass that right over to you, Can't read fast enough. On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back. It is uh, Smoking and Toasting. This is show number 154, and we are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Our sponsor, uh, the fine folks at B&B Butchers and Restaurant, uh, who are taking over the restaurant industry, basically, just like one restaurant and bar at a time. <laughs> I great. love what they're doing, because they have such a great commitment to quality, you know? And uh, it's funny, I was asking our boy Jeremiah over there, I was asking him about... You know, because this is uh, we we've just been in the middle of uh, Houston Restaurant Weeks, and I was like, "Does this even like help you guys? Because you're you're busy all the time." And he's like, "You know, it does because it brings in new faces." Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, they don't necessarily 
they don't necessarily need it to be busy, but uh, but they need it to bring in some new faces. So, all right, uh, Ian, we're going to get to that in just a moment. I'm going to grab the opener because I forgot to throw it to you. Um, yeah, this pocket knife that I have now doesn't have sharp edges on it uh, on the handle, so it's harder to open. I hope our guests won't be offended by my deep eddy uh, uh, bottle opener. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, guys, what don't leave. In, in the last segment, they stormed out. <laughs> you know, the irony is you don't need this for deep eddy vodka. That's right. Exactly. You don't. Exactly. <laughs> that just reminds me we got to order ours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will be happy to replace that one with a, uh, uh, yeah, with a local, bottle man. opener from keep you guys. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so um, one, of the, uh, one of the interesting things about um, – about the uh, Vine Pair website, which I really enjoy. Uh, Vine Pair, they have some great articles, even if they do insist on adding "right now" to all their headlines. Um, uh, but they they do a, a pretty cool thing where they'll go and ask uh, people in a particular industry what they think are like the best and worst trends in the industry right now. So they recently asked um, 20 beer industry members uh, what they think are the best trends happening in craft beer right now. So I'm going to read you a few of these uh, from Yiga Mashiro, who's the Senior Director of Brewery Operations of St. Archer Brewing in San Diego, says craft lagers, that, especially yeah. a great pilsner. That's the, that's the trend that they are uh, most excited right about. Now. Right now. Right um, now. So um, the best trend I'm seeing right now, according to John Keelty, head brewer at Big Alice Brewing in Queens, New York, is the movement of brewers choosing to source local grain, hops, and fruits grown in their home states? In the past four years, we've been that uh, is pretty awesome. We've been sourcing it. We've been keeping close yeah. relationships. Uh, Terry Friedhoff, uh, founder of Pink Boots Society, says brewers are considering classic styles again, and we are seeing a lot of that. Yep. A return to you know lagers and pilsners and some of the classic style of beers. After everybody got really exotic for a while, uh, people are kind of bringing it back to home. Yeah, well, there's so. always a push to the outside edge. And then sometimes you got to bring it back home. Settle down. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that the stuff that people like is going to last, you know. Uh, Chris Gilmore, who is the brewer at Lone Tree Brewing Company in Lone Tree, Colorado, says his favorite trend in beer right now is session beers. Give me all the low ABV beers with quality and quantity. Hit me with a nice fruited funky table beer or a super effervescent naked Berliner Weiss. Something that I can enjoy over the course of a four-hour lunch. I do like the here's, return of the Berliner Weiss. Here's right, to the four-hour lunch, too. That's a, that's a <laughs> wonderful idea. Uh, Stephen Hale, founding brewer from Schlafly Beer in, in St. Louis, says lagers, lagers, lagers. Uh, we're also, I hes- I'm hesitant to call it a trend, Gabe Barry says, who's the ed- education manager of Europe uh, for Brooklyn Brewery in Brooklyn, New York. So I hesitate to call it a trend, but I love that breweries are really diving into positively supporting the communities mm-hmm. of which they are a part and doing the work to diversify. And there's been some critique in the craft beer uh, world that it was not as diverse as it should be. And I think we're seeing some of the response to that critique as breweries are working uh, to diversify and become uh, become more inclusive. So I think that's... Uh, but that's, that's, that's the that's push and pull, thing. like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. is how people like, you know, the community is starting to hang out at the brewery or, or mm-hmm. distillery, and the distillery does stuff for a community. I mean, you get that push and pull, that really... Tom Madden, who's the co-founder and head brewer of Lone Pine Brewing in Portland, Maine, says... 
Uh, trend he likes seeing is the growth in uncommon packaging formats. So while 12 and 14 ounce cans continue to accelerate, uh, new options are starting to emerge as a way to differentiate on retail shelves. Uh, from 8 ounce stubby cans to uh, the 19.2 ounce stovepipe can, uh, the growth of less common packaging categories uh, will become more and more interesting. A couple of fun ones. Uh, Six Point Brewing has those tall skinny cans. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's all, always great to see. And then uh, some of the cans, have you had the ones where you uh, pull the tab and the entire top comes off? Yes, yes. And I love uh, that. Now, Ooh, the boys cool. at uh, Southern Star did this a couple of summers ago with an IPA that they released. I think it was a, a, a seasonal but yeah it wasn't the entire top but it was like almost yeah. the whole top so it gave you what was like more drinking like drinking more out of a, out glass, of a yeah. glass yeah it was Absolutely it was actually that. was actually actually really nice so a lot of people uh, are talking about the gradual move back to loggers and how that's uh, you know how that's been a big thing and uh, uh, i think the best trend in beer right now is people getting back to drinking classic styles Matt McCall, head brewer, Coney Island Brewery in Brooklyn, New York. And finally, Guy Bartmus, who's the brewmaster of Garage Brewing Company in Marietta, California, says the best trend in beer right now is competition. As more and more breweries open up in areas there was once limited competition, you'll slowly find the quality of beer in that area increases. Mm-hmm. A brewery without strong competition is a brewery that might rest on its laurels. Healthy competition will drive innovation and refocus a brewer to make sure that their beer is as good as it can be. And so I will tell you, I feel great about being in Houston because mm-hmm. there's so much going on here from a brewery standpoint. I think the competition is uh, is is a big deal. And, and it's good to see. You know, that's why I love seeing guys uh, like you guys coming out with you know something different, but something that's definitely going to push. You're, you're going to push the needle a little bit in the mm-hmm. vodka categories, mm-hmm. and I think especially something that's got as great a taste as that does. Thank you. I think appreciate uh, that. Yeah, I think yeah. it's fantastic. So, all right, is it stout time? I see Ian. I, I'm sorry, I glazed over. You I was have just waiting at the stout. You have waited as long as you can possibly <laughs> wait, my brother. Uh, oh, I was going to drop it on the table, but I it always makes a better sound effect on the table. But I think we all get do you, the. Do you have cups? We all get the message. I do. <laughs> We're running a little low on the cups there. That's all right. I've got some over here, and I will pass them your way, sir. Thank you. Um, I might point out that uh, this this may be the biggest beer show where I've brought all the beers in terms of ABV. We started at what, like uh, eight? Eight. We started at eight, <laughs> went to nine something, and now this we're is, up to. Uh, this is this almost one? Ian-like because this one's like. This one's crazy, I think. Eleven point five. Eleven point five. He actually yeah. cut me off uh, from Ram beers because one show I brought the lightest beer was I think eight percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. so I was doing this in your honor. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, so no, you know what? And I'm actually starting to not mind it because I have a refrigerator with a bunch <laughs> of great yeah. beers in there. I just said, you know what? I'm just going to drink them next week, my friend. <laughs> next week. <laughs> All right. So the Stone uh, Farking Wheat and Wood Stout. This is something mm-hmm. they do every year. I don't know how many years it goes back, uh, but the artwork. I know. I know we got a shot of that uh, of the artwork on the bottle a little bit earlier. I'll have that up uh, in just Ian a second. Here. Artwork on this bottle was done by Alan Davis, who's a renowned comic book artist who's worked on Uncanny X Men and Justice League of America, oh, that's and nice. uh, so he's got this mm-hmm. superhero. Kind of kicking stout butt there on the front of the bottle, the and this is a. Uh, there's pretty much a graphic novel on the back of this. <laughs> yeah, there really is. There's, there's almost a book on here. Over the years, Stone Fark and Wheaton Woot Stout has become one of our most anticipated mm. annual releases, and not just because it's an astoundingly flavorful beer concocted as a collaboration between Farks Drew Curtis, 
uh, Nerd Royalty, Will, Weaken, uh, Will Wheaton, and Stone Brewing co-founder Greg Cock. Coke? Cook. Cock, I think. Cock. Cook. Okay. Not Coach. Go with Cook. Coach. Greg <laughs> Coke. Always best. Listen, guys, I don't know how to say this, but uh, <laughs> coach, 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 coach. Anyway, coach. Um, <laughs> the awesome guy from Stone. How's yes, that? Yes, there you go. It's Cook, I think. Yeah. It's the incredible label art adorning this beer over the years that has elevated to the pinnacle of beer geekery and uh, to geekery and beer geekery. Pinnacle of beer, geekery, and beer geekery. So that's, that's an awkward sentence. Okay. This year, gloriously awesome. This year's gloriously awesome artwork comes from the talented hands of comic artist Alan Davis, who has worked on some of the most iconic comic book scenes of all time, including Uncanny X-Men, Justice League of America, Coach. his deception of a hero who channels our iconic Gargoyle's guardian uh, powers. To battle against the evils of the world of beer is a fitting representation for this year's label and for the relentlessly intense flavor of the intergalactic imperial stout inside. You know, what's interesting is a a real reversal thing just happened, guys, from what usually happens on the show. Usually I'm reading the stuff that's on the bottle, (laughs) and Ian's over there draining his cup of uh, of beer. This time I'm sitting here enjoying the Woot Stout while you're reading, and I'm thinking... This is awesome. No, I noticed no you gave me the longest that. label yes, in the no world to ever you, read. No wonder you do that. Um, <laughs> I call no, it research, by the yeah, way. Yeah, this is this is really a wonderful thing. So, <laughs> yes, it's really a wonderful thing. And by the way, this is stone products are available. I think almost everywhere around the country. Certainly here in Texas, you can you can find these. So. That is velvety, even. It yes. really is. It's it's velvety. It's coffee rich, and it is. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I know we loved the 2018. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to remember like what our what this our has overall a, a take was. A little bit of that raisininess to mm-hmm. it as well. That dark fruit mm-hmm. kind of that. raisin. Uh, it's interesting because unlike some stouts, like a lot of stouts. The the finish and the way it leaves you if you wait a moment before you take the next drink has a lot of that sort of gritty chocolate. I'm not so much getting that 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 gritty cocoa chocolate. It's more the fruit and the fruit coffee. And coffee, yeah, yeah. That that is the lingering taste and feeling. Even even a kind of coffee bitterness. You know, when you have mm-hmm. a really bitter cup of coffee, and then after you've almost uh, more espresso. Yeah, even, after yeah. you've had it, like you can still taste that. That coffee bitter uh, flavor. You know, um, it, what's interesting about this is that uh, we do a Bloody Mary. We call it the Bloody Mary Jane. And this fall, we're actually doing one where it's topped with the stout. And I'd love to try it with this because oh. it, it, it's really interesting. When you top it with the stout, mm-hmm. it just changes the whole game. And it makes it just, I don't know, it's just great. I will say, and you should do that. It'd be awesome to try. If you are looking uh, to go local, Think about Buried Hatchet Stout that from is uh, Southern Star. Literally one of the best stouts in existence. It is just really? fantastic. Yeah, Southern there, Star, there they're are in Conroe. few that are on a on that level, uh-huh. and that's Founders Breakfast Stout, which is mm-hmm. seasonal. Buried Hatchet is all year, and it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It is, however, over ten percent. Be careful. Well, it's a Bloody Mary. <laughs> you know? I, I love that you said the title is Bloody Mary Jane. I love yes. that. This, yeah. That's so good. That's that's so yeah. creative. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, Ian, I'm going to say that um, the Woot Stout's a, a, a huge success this year. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so good. Absolutely. It is good. Like it's got so many wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Um, the complexity of it, like on. you said, so many wonderful things going on, kind of bouncing around in their different uh, 
a baking spice sort of uh, uh Yeah, the baking uh, spice is definitely definitely in there. There's a little of uh, like graham cracker crust going mm-hmm. on in there too that that happens again on the back of the palate towards the end. It's, it took me a minute to recognize that. I was wondering, what is that? Here's the thing with the stout: is it? Would you drink that whole bottle, or would you drink like? Is it kind of like a? Are half you asking bottle me personally kind of- if <laughs> I drink it? Because <laughs> uh, uh, the answer is yeah. There might come a time. Right. However, no, no. For a bottle like this, right? When you get a bomber, um, generally speaking, I and I have quite a few of these in my refrigerator. Different, uh, different things. I don't usually get into drinking them because uh, that's something I generally want to share. Yeah, because, it by seems the way, like a share. I believe thing. this is also available in 12-ounce cans. I will tell you, though, yeah. when mm. Brother Thelonious was only available in bombers, I had been known to wreck a bomber from time to time because <laughs> that's well, I've got a, so good. I've got mm-hmm. a bomber of the um, the Buffalo Bayou um, uh, gingerbread uh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a bottle of that in my refrigerator now, and I keep looking at it going, well, it sounds so good, but I really should wait till I have somebody <laughs> over to crack that baby yeah, open. Yeah, yeah, right. that. Right. Mm, fascinating. It's great, uh, though. Well, uh, I, I think this is quite good, and, and it's uh, it's fun being able to share it with you guys. And Thank you. Uh, I just want to uh, get back to uh, what is your um, your vodka, your highway vodka, uh, which is uh, hemp-based vodka, the first one in Texas. Uh, first of all, uh, are there other hemp-based vodkas out there in other places that you guys are aware of? I'm not aware of any. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Okay. All right. I didn't think so. Well, I was just the you made a big deal, uh, you know, in the in the positioning about it being from Texas, and I thought, oh, maybe there's a bunch of other ones out there. I just haven't heard of them. There's one out but, of Alaska, but they also make a uh, salmon flavored vodka. If you're interested. Are you kidding? <laughs> now look. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Let me just say, <laughs> goes well with a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say this: I love salmon, yeah, and I love vodka. Right. I I would be happy to keep them separate. However, you know, I like mayonnaise exactly. and scotch, but I don't mix them. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly where I'm That's going. That's bad. That's bad. Uh, well, well yeah. so so this is great then because yeah. you guys are really at the front end of this. Uh, uh, if this this thing becomes a trend uh you're gonna be looked at as uh, as the trailblazer and i mm. think that's that's absolutely one awesome. of the coolest things about this too is though it's this is uh vodka with uh with hemp seed sorry mm. vodka with hemp seed is not an infused vodka it doesn't no. taste like doesn't taste no. like uh, a, a it's, cannabis it's bud. part of the ingredient right. but it doesn't taste like not that an i would know what a cannabis vodka. Bud this tastes no. like a great quality vodka so i want to point that out to people listening because if you see this don't expect to taste hemp that's. I hope you could hear my air quotes on that. If you're yeah. just listening, uh, it doesn't taste like that. It's actually uh, just a few. Is there any? Uh, is there any worry? And I know this might be a geeky question, but is there any worry if you're drinking something like this that this might show up on a drug test? None. Absolutely None. not. So that's, 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 that's what that yeah. when he mentioned to ask though. Right. Yeah. Sure. When he mentioned in the beginning that we had the long delay lag time between the time that we submitted to TTB and the time that we finally were approved mm-hmm. and everything was good to go. That's what was happening. They test the vodka. They test the seed. They test uh, the mash. They've they've mm-hmm. tested everything, and we had to pay for all of those tests. Well, of course, you did through yes, an independent yes. lab, and then send the results to the government. And 
and then of course there's three samples of each so uh, to make sure and three samples from independent batches and all of that good stuff so no chance of that but at le- yeah at least because of those tests you know for a fact we know for a fact right, not right, going to show up on any kind of right because that's that, that, that is important, important. Yeah. no that's well, that's that's real I mean, I mean we had a uh we did a promo at a restaurant bar uh that was in the pasadena area and so a lot of the guys that came mm-hmm. out and um were frequenting the bar we'll say wanted to try it but because they work at the plants in pasadena mm-hmm. they were scared of a random right event. yeah i mean that's a real thing that's a real thing but i right. will say because it doesn't affect that you now can't use that as an excuse dude at all <laughs> yeah. for, for yeah. testing but oh There's i must have had all. some of that hemp-based vodka <laughs> yeah. nah, not gonna yeah. fly no the hemp yeah. is all purely but first of all you know the hemp is the male part of the plant without you know doesn't have any of the um the THC, THC anyway, yeah. so but then the troublesome it's, it's, side is always the female. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he said that. Uh, uh, that was Wendell. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know how He's quick a, you were to call him out. Hey, I needs no problems. <laughs> yes. Looking yes. <laughs> so, like a man with the future. Um, so, um, let me ask you this, guys: What is this uh, going to sell for uh, retail? This bottle. Uh, it depends on where you go, but a yeah. liter is that a liter? Yes, a liter yeah. is going to be around twenty six, and uh, the seven fifty is going to be around, but depending on where you go, about twenty. That yeah. seems really reasonable. It's a twenty dollar bottle of vodka. Vodka. of homemade, yeah. handmade, yeah, grain to glass. That seems yeah, right, even neat. It's organic and gluten free. Mm-hmm. Uh, just out of curiosity, is there unorganic vodka out there? Like oh, you, yeah, there yeah, are organic yeah, vodkas okay. out there. And and mm-hmm. is there any vodka with gluten in it? Uh, some some made from wheat. Yeah, I'm not a chemist, but technically, once you distill stuff, the the gluten percentage is supposedly so imperceptible that, it would that not, it's supposed yeah. to not matter. But right. ours, you know, is built on grains that are gluten free from the start anyway. So there is no. Oh, know, so it's real easy to say. Yeah, hey, yeah. Just yeah, just in case. Yeah, you know, just in case there's it. none. I mean, well, just, it really is a craft vodka, and I think yes, that's that's really yes. appealing to me in a, in a hand in a bottled world where, even, hand labeled. Yeah, in, in a world where, um, and by the way, your printing is excellent uh, that, <laughs> on the label. Deal, uh, but that, you're yes. uh, in a, in a world where it's really easy to get things mass produced, and some of the mass produced things are fine. Mm-hmm. But I have a real appreciation for actual handcrafted, yeah. you know, um, really craft stuff. And so this is uh, this is and, and it's it's just I, I want to just say this again. It's delicious. It's smooth. It's a new favorite for me. I, I want to point out Thanks. as geeky Thank as you. this may sound too. I even like the paper for the label because it has a little bit of a little bit of tactile to it, a little bit yeah. of feel to That's it. A, that, I was about to call out the name of the paper. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was really happy to find that. So now that too. we've had some Wood Stout, those uh, those competitors I was asking about. Yeah, they're great guys. <laughs> God bless them. Uh, well, guys, I want to thank you for being on the show today. This has been a lot of fun. We love yes. the vodka, and uh, I will be recommending it to a lot of people because I think it's I think it's fantastic, and it's been it's been fun sharing beers with you. And um, and uh, Ian, I'm completely empty. You want to just for a follow uh, for a final yes. toast? You know, I'm a little empty. Maybe just pour me a little more of that well. vodka there. Can that'd I get be, that? That'd be terrific. Can I get that one more time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, very That's nicely. not so bad, huh? Very nicely done. Uh, no, it's been a real pleasure having you guys on. I'm so glad that you came in, and we will uh, look at like that. Oh, sorry, oh, you must have thought that one was for me. <laughs> sorry, you guys, that's you guys like the lightest pour I've ever seen you do. <laughs> wow, wow, that was funny. Uh, that, that was the one funny. I couldn't see. It was behind the other glass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, guys, thank you again. Good luck with thank this. You. Thank uh, you. Uh, we want you to let us know when you. Uh, yeah, I know you're uh, working on your plans for this new place, but if you yes. get a uh, a new distillery and tasting room and and all that stuff open, let, let us know so we can let people know. And we have yeah. whiskey in the barrel too, by uh, the way. That's a whole other thing. I love that. And a whole other show. We'll be looking forward to that. Have a great weekend, y'all. Thanks to Adam on the Wheels of Steel. Cheers. That's so good. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it really is, guys. Appreciate that. It really is.